Welcome to this edition of the Mission Bitcoin Podcast. On today's episode, we talk with Gigi. Gigi is a Bitcoin developer and a broad thinker, all things Bitcoin. Gigi's foundational work, 21 Lessons, is now a book. Gigi is currently working on another book, 21 Ways. I was honored to have this discussion with Gigi. His writings have had a profound impact on me and my writings. We went way down the Bitcoin and religion rabbit hole. This discussion is probably my most favorite of the season. So pull up a chair, pour some coffee or tea, and listen to this deeply spiritual conversation. Thank you to all of you who faithfully listen to the show. On various episodes, I've interviewed pastors and missionaries. Please consider donating to their ministries. I've included their lightning or Bitcoin addresses in the show notes. Thanks so much. As many of you know, I've put together a study guide, Bitcoin for Churches, and we've had a tremendous response with our seminar. If you have a church that you would like to orange pill or a Christian organization, I'm here to help. Please contact me to discuss scheduling a seminar for your organization. In the show notes, you'll find a link with a brief outline of the Bitcoin for Churches study guide. Thank you. Before we jump into the show, I want to make you aware of Bitcoin Lake. Bitcoin Lake is a project I'm starting in Panajachel, Guatemala on Lake Atitlan. I'm hoping we can model Bitcoin Beach in El Salvador. I need your help and I want this to be a Bitcoin community project. Please check out the project on Twitter at Lake Bitcoin. The name Bitcoin Lake is backwards on Twitter at Lake Bitcoin. And I will leave links in the show notes. Please consider being a part of this today. Thank you. Gigi, I am so honored to have you here, and I, I don't know anybody who's not aware of your work. Um, you have informed my thinking about Bitcoin. Um, you have informed my technical thinking and even my spiritual thinking about Bitcoin, and it's a true honor to have you here. And um, I, I think... Uh, just for the audience sake, I, I think most people would know you, but just briefly, just kind of introduce yourself and then, you know, we'll just kind of go from there. All right. Uh, hey, Patrick, uh, thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm already enjoying this a lot and I, I can't wait to see where we end up. And yeah, so um, to cut a very long story short, uh, I'm Gigi. I'm just a guy who got really interested in Bitcoin a couple of years ago. And um, I was kind of... Um, forced to write about it almost like I had no choice in that matter. Um, I misunderstood Bitcoin for the longest time and um, I had um, for for <laughs> for reasons that I still don't really understand well, it really, really clicked for me. Like I had some experiences where I just realized, okay, this is going to change absolutely everything. And so um, I just had to write about it and let the, know, uh, let the world know what I learned. And so I wrote a little book called 21 Lessons. That's why most people know me. And I still, yeah, I'm exploring Bitcoin and just trying to be useful where I can. I'm still writing and um, I'm a software engineer by training, so I can also be useful in some other areas, not only in the uh, writing and understanding part, but I also uh, try to be helpful on the technical side of things. And yeah, I've been in Bitcoin full time for a couple of years now, and uh, I don't intend to change that. So I'm still having a lot of fun and there's still a lot of learn and uh, to explore. That's awesome. I mean, it's interesting, you know, as we were talking before the show, you know, I was involved in Bitcoin for a little bit, but then once you start learning about it, I felt the same way, um, probably for the same reasons, but a different path. I, I felt compelled to write about it. And then um, 
no one i wanted to go on podcasts and talk about my views but um i think my views are a little uh, contrary to, to uh most podcasters in the space so i decided to just start my own podcast and uh that's awesome uh very good. that's that, that's a very bitcoiner thing to do by the way yeah if, if, <laughs> just do it yourself and if yeah. something is missing just start it yourself <laughs> and you know um Tomer is a, a great friend of mine, and I, I'm probably going to call you Tomer interchangeably throughout this. I don't know why, but I have to mentally think, Gigi, Gigi. All right. So, um, I, I think we're going to have some good discussion here, but I, I think for, for my, since I'm sitting at the feet, foot of an expert, I, I thought I w what I would like to ask is just get some of your technical takes and kind of your, your high 30 foot, 30,000 foot vision of, where Bitcoin's going and stuff like that. And then we'll kind of go down the other, the other rabbit holes. Um, you know, I was listening to, uh, your recent podcast with, uh, Stefan Lavera, which was great. Uh, you, you always, uh, I, I love listening to what you have to say. It's always cogent. Um, but you know, what, what other than just Bitcoin, the Bitcoin, what, what really excites you about working in the space? Ha, well, that's a great question. I think, um i think it's it's way beyond the technical things i think all the technical things are really interesting like uh how all this stuff really works if you go down to the bare metal and and study like the cryptographic properties for example of the various signature sch schemes and uh like go really deep into the mathematics of it and there's so many interesting and really truly fascinating aspects of bitcoin that that are all deeply deeply fascinating and of course you know it, it, it bitcoin is in the process of completely revolutionizing the energy sector, for example, mm -hmm. because it has this anchor in the real world and because it is the buyer of last resort for energy and it, it will completely revolutionize the energy market. I think most people don't realize that yet, but the people that are really into Bitcoin mining and uh, are close to energy producers and, and so on, they, they know this already. Like this is, this is not an open question anymore. This is, this is already happening. And all of these things are super interesting and there's a lot of interesting computer science and math stuff happening like really on the on the low levels but what what um what i think is most valuable what 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 is most valuable to me is that bitcoin truly represents a hope for a better future because it is a better system and the, the people it attracts i i have like i have the privilege to work with exceptional people 24 7 all the time and speak to exceptional people 24 7 all the time <laughs> this is i don't know how how it happened but this is this is this is my job now and this is what i do and it's it's absolutely amazing to see um the different people that get into bitcoin the different use cases they have to it the different kind of understandings they they have of bitcoin and what bitcoin represents to them and just everyone is so optimistic and so hopeful and so kind of motivated to work towards a better future and to really get this right and do the right things and kind of fulfill the the vision that the cypherpunk the, the cypherpunks had and everyone is also working on the same team which is absolutely amazing you know like we, the, the the whole Bitcoin space is still small enough that um, while there is competition, of course, it still feels like everyone is working on Bitcoin and everyone is is kind of um, working in the same direction. And I, I think this is 
this has been the the biggest blessing uh, for me that I, I I really love what I do. I, you know, I can't wait every every single day. I can't wait to to get up and see you know what's new and uh, what uh, people have been working on and uh, just you know also get after my work and just yeah work towards a better future. I think that's that's the best way to to phrase it. So before Bitcoin, with with your field of computer science and coding, did you 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 didn't feel like you're working for towards a better world? You just you were just doing your job. Is that is that well, a fair assessment? <laughs> that's a fair assessment. It's it, it was even worse than that because um, I I knew and I deeply felt that what I was doing was not contributing to society in in a good way um, because I I worked uh, on. Um, <sighs> Mostly, I, I worked on various things, but one one large project I worked on uh, was related to border security and border control, and how you could automate this and uh, just you know remove remove the humans from the equation. And I knew very deeply in my heart and in my soul that this was not a good thing. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's uh, you don't need to have a deep knowledge of history, and you also mm -hmm. don't need to have a lot of imagination to see where this can go completely wrong. And I mean, we see it in China currently playing yeah. out, you know, with the social credit system and all of that. And so um, I think there are a lot of people that are very capable and uh, highly educated and, you know, are great coders and, and they are, you know, um, <laughs> coming up with algorithms that can make billions of people watch YouTube videos just two seconds longer, you know, mm. and, uh, and uh, how to fine tune the various feed algorithms so that people get even more addicted to these platforms. And I, I think, and I, I was one of those people kind of, you know, like I worked for, for the dark side, so to speak, you know, and it's, uh, I think a lot of people feel it um, very strongly and clearly that they are not necessarily working on a good thing, but of course, you know, it pays well and it pays the bills and, you know, if I'm not doing it then someone else will do it and so on. And so I think, uh, that's one downside of being, uh, like, especially, you know, a lot of people that study computer science with me, they're super smart people and they are, uh, very good at rationalizing those kind of things. And I was as well, you know, like I had my own kind of ways to rationalize, um, what I was doing. But uh, it it became increasingly unbearable, and luckily, you know, there was this <laughs> orange sparkle in mm -hmm. the corner that mm -hmm. kind of <laughs> I, it 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 got increasingly harder to not pay attention to it, and uh, so yeah, um, there there came a day where I was just like. Um, first of all, I can't do what I'm currently doing anymore. And second of all, this is way too interesting. So I just, um, yeah, I just took a leap of faith and really, uh, quit my yeah. job. And uh, just, I was like, no matter what, I, and I don't, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I will, I will work on this full time, whether I'm paid or not. <laughs> wow. That's really cool. Really cool. I, I, you know, it's interesting because I, I hear the hope in your voice and I was, interviewing somebody else earlier this week she's younger and she's in the bitcoin space and you know there just seems to be this hope um for this new world that's coming and but i see two worlds colliding and i you know i'm a little bit older um i don't have i don't have a lot of hope that it's going to end well or not be clean uh the transition i mean what what do you think about that 
I assume the two worlds that you mean is the fiat world and the Bitcoin yeah. world. Yeah. Because I, I see multiple worlds colliding, interestingly mm -hmm. enough. I mean, um, uh, it, it, it's such a tumultuous time. It, it feels like, you know, there's <laughs> whole galaxies colliding and there, there are multiple worlds in each galaxy. And it's just, <laughs> for example, uh, what I mean is that uh, suddenly there are a lot of um, permanent agriculture people in Bitcoin, for example, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. there are a lot of people that, um, uh, from the holistic spiritual world suddenly in Bitcoin and they understand it immediately because it's also a holistic system, for example, you know, it's like a closed loop, uh, holistic system. And, it, and if you, if you fiddle with one little part of it, everything else changes, you know, so it's, it's, it's very easy for those people to understand Bitcoin in, in some sense. And, uh, I think with the, the collision with the fiat system, that's very, very obvious, you know, like it's, it's the, the, the death of the old and hopefully the rise of the new, but I, I agree with you that, um, it's, we can only speculate what's, what's going to happen in, you know, even the next 12 months, yeah. uh, but definitely the next like 10 years, the, the, there's going to be a lot of things are bound to change in the next 10 years. And I can, I can, I have some some inklings and i have my own kind of theories of how this will play out but of course it's it's impossible to tell it's it's very much like when the internet was very young and the people who worked on the internet and understood that, that you know this thing is growing exponentially and understood where this might be going and they were talking about you know like e-commerce in like you know the the mid eighties, you know, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and of course this didn't work, you know, like you <laughs> text was rendering line by line and images were rendering pixel by pixel. And, you know, it was outrageous to think these thoughts, but they, they had some very, um, good predictions. And of course, also some terrible ones. So you, I, I think you, you can see where things are going. If you understand the technology on a deep level, you, you at least you, you, you can have some imaginations and some of them will turn out to be right. And I think in, in Bitcoin, we, we are at a similar stage now, uh, the details, how this will play out again, are impossible pr to predict, but I think it's clear now that Bitcoin is an insanely resilient system. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. it, it, it will probably survive pretty much anything you throw at it, you know, including even outrageous thoughts like nuclear war, you know, and Ralph Merkel was famous for saying that, like, even if nuclear war destroys half of the planet, Bitcoin will not care, you know, like yeah. it, it will, it will live on and it will <laughs> produce blocks roughly every 10 minutes. And that's just how it operates. And yeah. I, I think, I don't, I don't think, you know, uh, we, I mean, the world was, the world is always ending and the world has been ending for the last 5,000 years, at least. So we, we always are in a, <laughs> there's always a doomsday scenario that you can pick and you're also not wrong, you know, like uh, a, a doomsday scenario is always very close, but I think that, um, with the, with the obvious failures, failures now of the fiat system, it is interesting that Bitcoin can also act as like a lifeboat, a life raft, or also uh, like almost an, an airbag system, you know, like it, if we would not have something like Bitcoin, where a lot of liquidity and money and just people can move into to protect themselves, then things would be way more dire. And I think um, if we look at fiat money's failing in general, and the fiat system failing in general, it is so amazing that we have something like Bitcoin that people can actually use. Bitcoin will be there for you. No matter what happens, Bitcoin will be there for you. You you're free to use it and no one can stop you from using it. You know, like there is nothing that can stand in between yourself and Bitcoin because it's just math. You can lock yourself in a room 
with a pair of dice or with with a coin, flip the coin, you know, 265 times, and you have a valid Bitcoin private key. And you mm -hmm. can use Bitcoin straight away, you know, like the rest is just math. You can sit down and do it on a piece of paper. Like you can do it in a prison cell, you know, and if you can't get the information out somehow, and you can do that with smoke signals or with carrier Morse code, or yeah, what have you, yeah, yeah. then, then, you know, people have your Bitcoin address and you can start to receive funds and, and all kinds of things. And so, um, just the fact that this is there, this is how the technology actually works is absolutely mind blowing to me. And the people will figure this out if they have to figure it out, you know, like if, if, <laughs> you will figure out how to blow up the life raft if the boat you're currently on is sinking. You know, you'll figure it out very quickly. And and so that's why I'm hopeful because the properties of Bitcoin are um, just, they, they embody certain things. And and it's it's also, it's, it's done in a way that these truths will hold into the future. Like the way that Bitcoin works is that it's so incredibly hard to change. I can... I, like if Bitcoin survives all that, like if, the, if my premise is correct, Bitcoin will remain open, period, because that's how it operates. Everyone will always be able to join, you know, and and that's why it has me so hopeful, because it's just not feasible on a, on a technical level to stop this thing and to change these kind of properties. And these properties are openness and nonviolence and inclusiveness and just fairness in general. You know, it's a very fair playing ground. And... Yeah, what's what's not hopeful about that? I think that all, all of those things are are very hopeful things. They are, <laughs> they are, and you know that's a great point though. I mean, it, the the life raft. You know, normally when I guess when you if you use the analogy of a life raft, you throw it out and you have to wait for it to blow up and all that. But you know, Bitcoin is like the instant life raft. You're right. I mean, at any point, a fiat government, uh, any government could just immediately decide they're going to switch to Bitcoin, and it's a, you know, it's an instant trans transition. Um, and, oh, but, you know, and, I guess, and, and people too, I think, I think yes, that's, yeah. that's, 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 that's one of the most important points because what you're saying is definitely true and, and, and we will see more of this, but you can do this right now. And there are people living on the Bitcoin standard right now. And there, there, you know, people have been living on the Bitcoin standard since like 2014 or something, mm -hmm. you know, that was, that, that was the timeline where the first people were like, okay, I'm just using Bitcoin now, you know, like that's, of course the exchange rate was very different, but people, they were like earning Bitcoin and spending Bitcoin and using Bitcoin. And th this has been possible for a while and it gets easier every day you know like yeah. i have friends that are on the bitcoin standard and i i personally i'm very close to it you know like i'm not 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 a hundred percent yet and i have still um just by by kind of my circumstance you know like i i still have fiat income streams and i still have fiat bills to pay but you can like if 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 you need to make use of it again like no one no one can stop you from using Bitcoin. So it, it will always be there and you can use it. And in terms of countries and companies and other entities adopting it, this will happen more and more. And I think with El Salvador, you know, first country, mm -hmm. which surprised even me like this, uh, I, I wouldn't have expected that. So that was very big news. But it's also kind of obvious because if you are, if you are um, like in hindsight, of course, <laughs> in hindsight, it's more obvious. But if you are forced to use the US dollar, if you are already dependent on an external power so to speak uh for for your money it might as well be something that no one else can control so if someone else should be in charge of your monetary po policy why not pick bitcoin you know yeah. it's the fairest and most honest and and most robust thing that you can choose and i think more and more uh, more, more and more countries that are kind of forced to use other currencies they they have no dictate over their own monetary policy they will switch to bitcoin first 
Yeah. I, you, you know, speaking of El Salvador, you, you wonder, and, and I agree with you in hindsight, it's, it, it's very obvious, but we have to give credit to Bukele for being visionary to see this as a, as a way for his country to, to, um, escape, you know, the monetary policy of the U S so, um, uh, for sure. Gigi, what, so I, and I'll just leave you with this, this thought before we move to the next thing, but, you know, I, I see that the, the fiat system works in such a slow grind. And for me, it, it, it seems that it would unwind in a slow grind. I mean, it, the, 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 when it fails, it's going to be catastrophic, but it seems like the unwind is a slow grind as well. But Bitcoin is this instant thing, and it's like trying to put a square peg in a round hole. And that, that's I, I just see that that being kind of um, challenging for the future, I, I guess, is the, the way to say. It. I mean, Bitcoin definitely offers the hope, but we've got two separate systems that are moving at different speeds. Um, and operate on just completely different realms, obviously. So that that's kind of the way I think about it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that that is true, and they are very, very, very different systems for sure. Um, the way I see it is that the switch will happen gradually on an individual by individual basis, and of course, we will have major shifts, like whole countries switching to it, and you know, like uh, in El Salvador, of course, you know, uh, every citizen got I don't even know how much it was. It was like thirty dollars, thirty dollars uh, yeah. of, of, of yeah. Bitcoin, and so this is uh, of course a large buy. You you can think of it as like pools of of um, of liquidity so so you have certain things that store value money is an obvious such thing real estate is another obvious such thing and there are others of course you know with gold uh, gold and bonds and uh, and uh, stocks and all the rest of it and you know whiskies and <laughs> expensive mm-hmm. cars and art and so on and so um, I think uh, individuals and companies and and countries, they, they will act in a similar way. If you're an individual and you understand what is going on, it might be a smart move if you're very conservative just to have like 5% of your liquid assets or 10% of your liquid assets in Bitcoin and the rest in a good currency like the US dollar or the Euro or the Yen or what have you. Uh, if you if you are in another country where, um, you know, the the value storage guarantees and even the liquidity guarantees of your money are different and i'm thinking especially about china for example where you have cbdc's uh, like they will pop up there first or where you have you're forced to use wechat as your payment platform and you can be, be the platform every single day at any minute you know so it might not be smart to have all your X in the WeChat basket because it can be gone tomorrow. So you might want to use Bitcoin just a little bit, just to be sure, you know, and to demonetize the not so liquid assets to, for example, uh, let's say you, you, you have two houses, you know, one that you actually live in and one that you rent out or one that you sometimes go to for holidays, selling this house and flipping it into Bitcoin. You know, this will take a different level of conviction or a different level of understanding or just, you know, like that's a different move. And I think the same will be true for for companies and countries. You know, there are some there there are different liquidity pools and Bitcoin. Make no mistake, Bitcoin will will eat them all eventually. Yeah, yeah, a large, a large part of them, but it won't happen all at once. That's what I'm trying to say. So so my my main worry kind of of the transition phase of of hyper Bitcoinization, um, like um, uh, uh, and for your listeners, uh, they, they might be familiar with the term, but it's 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 the same idea that 
how all exponential things happen. And with inflation, it's also an exponential process. Yep. So you have you know 2% inflation. <laughs> but even with 2% steady inflation, it's an exponential growth process. And you will have one year where this 2% compounds into hundreds of percent and then everything happens really quickly like it did in Weimar Germany and in Venezuela and so on. And we had many hyperinflationary periods in the past and suddenly the money becomes completely worthless because, you know, like you get your salary this day and you can't even spend it in the evening anymore because it doesn't even buy you like two eggs anymore. And so hyperbitcoinization is the same idea, but in kind of reverse that um, hip, uh, Bitcoin will monetize so quickly and so much value will flow into Bitcoin that just the numbers won't make any sense anymore. And uh, Bitcoin is the de facto kind of um, the de the, not only the de facto store of value, but the de, the de facto like uh, value measurement even for the whole world. And And everyone tries to flee into bitcoin because the rest of the system is failing and i i um i still kind of try to really pin down my thinking on how this might happen and i think uh, a friend of mine dennis he he came up with the phrase that uh you know hyper bitcoinization is kind of a, a personal thing that everyone has to uh figure out for for themselves and uh, for some people it's already in the past and I, I i really like this thought that because it's also true you know like for for micro strategy hyper bitcoinization is already mm -hmm. in the past kind of mm -hmm. for people that have uh, thousands of bitcoins and were on bitcoin talk forums uh, in like um, i don't know like 2012 2013 and have been living off on bitcoin ever since basically hyper bitcoinization is in the past it's 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 already you know like <laughs> That's, yeah, that's a great point. You don't need an account and, and everything is is uh, is done already. Yeah. And I think that's how it will kind of continue. But I also think just to 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 finish the, the thought on, on on the transition, and I, I know I'm I'm rambling already for No, you're time. good. You're good. <laughs> but I think there will be some events um that will accelerate things massively, just like it happened with the internet. Um, with the internet there were some events and and uh just to, to pick some you know like one one of them was for example the switch to uh isdn and to uh, voice over ip so that all the telecommunication companies were forced to switch and use the internet because everything else was just too inefficient and just it was way more efficient to switch to digital and to all that telephony in a digital way and you know fire all the people that were plugging in and out cables <laughs> So, I mean, that that event for for Bitcoin would probably be, you know, international wires and remittances. It seems that that exactly. seems to create the greatest friction in our system that yeah. that has to be resolved. Yeah. And the, the way this works is that even if you're still doing your accounting in fiat currencies, like even if you're um, using Bitcoin just as a payment rail that, uh, for example, for remittances, let's say uh, um, US dollar goes in and yen goes out the other end or euro goes out the other end and you 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 convert US dollar to Bitcoin and you send it and settle it on the Bitcoin network and another currency comes out. This puts a lot of, of buying and selling pressure on Bitcoin. So this is a lot of liquidity going through the system. So this is a very big thing. Just yeah. like, you know, with doing every single telephone call and video call over the internet suddenly you know that's a lot of traffic it's the same it's the same idea and and um i think we're very close to this i think we're very close to this event in the sense that people are already working on it like check models with strike so that's that's basically 
um, his whole product and he is targeting exactly this market and he will make uh, a lot of the settlement layers that are currently used by banks obsolete. And yeah. the only way to compete for these banks is to use the same settlement layer because otherwise they cannot compete on cost and they cannot compete on speed and they cannot compete in the marketplace. And this is just one such event. Like if this happens, it, it will happen rather quickly because it has to, because otherwise you won't stay competitive. And the next thing, just to bring it back to the internet metaphor, is something like the announcement of the iPhone. You know, it's like at first, most people are like, oh, I will never need you know, a BlackBerry or a, a smartphone. Like I need a phone to do telephony, you know? And we are in that stage now. Like I, I don't need Bitcoin. Why would I need Bitcoin? You know, like my currency is working fine. I have, uh, I don't know, like the Norwegian Krona or the Euro and it's somewhat stable and I can use it. And I have cards that I can tap and, you know, it's programmable money already that I have because I have it on my smartphone and, and all of it. But there will come up some point in the future where people will realize that Bitcoin is way more than just money. And maybe you need, I don't know, like we see censorship resistant chat programs, censorship resistant uh, data storage. We see all kinds of things. We see streaming money, you know, we see new monetization methods pop up made possible by Bitcoin, which is mm -hmm. absolutely impossible in the fiat legacy system because you cannot settle efficiently and you cannot send money efficiently. You cannot do it at almost zero cost, uh, zero cost um, which is why you can't do it with Visa or MasterCard or anything. I can't, I can't send you like one cent via um, a wire transfer or <laughs> via, via Visa because it would cost more than this one cent uh, to do the transaction. And so it's very hard to say what will come up, but it might, it might revolve around communication. It might revolve around computing. It might re revolve around data storage. I think censorship resistance and openness is uh, the main selling proposition or will be that it's, it's just, you have to use it because, you know, everyone will deplatform you if you say the wrong word, for example, mm -hmm. <laughs> and this will change a lot, you know, like the iPhone moment. That's, that's why what I see with the, like the, the voice of IP moment of Bitcoin and basically the iPhone moment of Bitcoin and both of them will happen in the next couple of years. Do, do you think that, and I'm not advocating for centralization at all, but do you think if there was a central cheerleading squad for Bitcoin other than Bitcoin Twitter, do you think it would help adoption or do you think that it's just, it, it doesn't need anybody? It, it's just going to happen. Um, I think economic reality is way stronger than any cheerleading squad. So okay. I, I think, you know, it's also fun to cheer on. Uh, yeah. Bitcoin, you know, it's yeah. very, it's, yeah. it's very fun. If you, if, if you're a fan of a sports team and the sports team just keeps on winning every single Super Bowl or something, that's how it feels to be like a Bitcoin, you know, like you're, you're basically winning year over year. <laughs> yeah. I don't know when, when it dips down though, you feel like, uh, I don't know, you, you feel like you're on <laughs> the losing team, <laughs> but it can be fun too, you know, like yeah. you know, being, being stuck in the trenches with your friends for a couple of months that, that can be all right too. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't. To answer your question, I don't think it, it truly needs anyone, but of course, you know, Bitcoin is still very misunderstood. So I think education is definitely key. I think Bitcoin is, is still so misunderstood by so many people. Um, it, it is getting better though. It uh, just by the, just by the relentlessness of the number go up technology, just yeah. by Bitcoin not dying. And just by the, the, the way I try to, to look at it is most people need two or three or four touch points with Bitcoin. Like everyone is skeptical at first, everyone dismisses it at first, unless you studied hard money and Austrian economics for like 10 years already. And you understand money on a very deep and fundamental level, which is almost no one, you know, like before mm -hmm. Bitcoin, this was like 200 people on the planet, maybe. 
<laughs> Unless you're one of those people, you will dismiss Bitcoin because it's, it's it's such an outlandish proposition. You know, like it's money that can't be censored, money that can't be stopped, money that no one can take away from you. An un unhackable computer system like that that never existed. You know, and I'm of course take everything I say with a grain of salt. Like Bitcoin is not completely perfect, but 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 that's the value proposition of Bitcoin. Yeah. You know, like you you can store your money in your head and no one can take it away from you. That's actually how it works. That's actually yeah. how it is. Yeah. You know, like that's not an exaggeration. Yeah. And and so I think I think just um helping so again you know it's <laughs> bitcoin is going to be fine bitcoin doesn't need our help we need yeah. bitcoin way more than bitcoin needs us and of course you know there is an interplay and it's a synergy but but still i what i try to do with the the kind of education that i'm doing is to make people realize that there is more to bitcoin that meets the eye and also that it's and and it's go, it's going to be a very important tool no matter what comes next, you know, like whether the transition is rocky or not, whether the complete chaos breaks out or not, you will have to know how Bitcoin works and how to use it. You will need to make use of this tool very much like you need to know how to use encrypted messaging, for example, you know, or how to use a computer in the first place or how to use a Swiss army knife or I don't know what, but it's, it's going to be important. Well, do you, but the way I look at it, Gigi, is I think that right now during the early adoption curve, you know, the people in the early adoption curve are getting educated and seeking education. But as it starts getting into the, the vertical portion, there are going to be less and less people that really understand it and, and are just forced to use it. And yes. so is is that is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? And do does it does it matter? Do we do we want do we want a lot of people using Bitcoin that don't really understand what what's going on, or does it? Who cares? Um, hmm, that's a really great question, and it's it's very hard to. And to I guess the reason, um, well, think about it in this way, because if you think about the fiat system, uh, probably no one ever understood the fiat system except for the people who who set it up and and the Fed and all that, but. Um, you know, if we have a bunch of people running around in 20, 30 years who don't understand Bitcoin, is it any different mm -hmm. than what we have right now with our other than the fact that the money's better, but we don't have people who understand how yeah. money works? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah it makes absolute sense. And uh, I see this as a as 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 one of the biggest dangers because and that's also in part why i focus so much on education because in the end you know um we had very high hopes for the internet for example and the internet kind of failed in the sense that everyone is on facebook and doesn't even know that the rest of the internet exists or everyone is on google and doesn't even know that the rest of the internet exists kind of definitely most people don't know how the internet works and um yeah we see what kind of problems this brings this kind of misunderstanding and centralization because once you centralize power and you centralize access and you centralize control uh, the people that have the power and the access and the control will misuse it and this will be true for bitcoin as well and we yeah. see this already or we saw it already you know like every centralized exchange is like an attack vector on bitcoin and we saw it with mount gox and we, we see it again um i just saw recently I, I i don't even know if it's true or not but i i would assume that it's true and like it's not the outrageous to think that this is true if you add up all the bitcoin that are currently claimed to be had by exchanges it's more than 21 million bitcoin you know like mm. it's <laughs> so we already are okay. we are we are probably already running a, a fractional reserve system on, on bitcoin just by the matter of fact that exchanges are lying about 
how much Bitcoin they have, you know, and they are trading it and selling it nonetheless. And of course, with Bitcoin, we could have mechanisms like proof of reserves to combat this. But I think these lessons will have to be learned over and over again, just by pain. And unfortunately, it's mostly the small people that really yeah. will feel the pain because, you know, just an exchange is going to shut down because the founder is just not to be found. And, you know, the keys are missing and all the, all the money is gone. No one knows what happened or what have you. This has happened in the past, you know, like if people want to look into this quadriga, uh, famously, you know, was such a case and uh, there were other cases as well. Um, and suddenly, you know, a lot of Bitcoin are gone and people that thought they had Bitcoin, they never had any Bitcoin in the mm -hmm. first place. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think education is so important in how the system works. And also just repeating the mantras over and over again, you know, like <laughs> just not, you your know, keys, uh, not your Bitcoin, run your yeah, own. Absolutely. But, you know, as I, as you were saying that, I was thinking, yeah, that's why that's so important. But, you know, when people are onboarding into Coinbase or Robinhood or whatever, mm -hmm. they don't, they don't teach their new customers, you know, mm, of course. secure. Yeah. So, because they're casinos and it's not in their best interest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So they're. Yeah, you're you're right. I mean, I think unfortunately there are going to be people. I guess just like in our current fiat system that suffer because they don't understand, and yeah. we have a a real opportunity to make sure people understand. But in the end, it's an individual responsibility. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and that's, that's, that's exactly right. And that's also why I wrote the piece, uh, of the responsibility, the responsibility of adopting Bitcoin, like the responsibility of adopting the Bitcoin standard. Um, because this responsibility, if you use Bitcoin correctly, is kind of forced upon you. You have to take responsibility. If you really want to use Bitcoin, there is no other way. You have to use your own key, your own keys. Like you have to hold yeah. your own keys. Otherwise you're not using Bitcoin. Yeah. You're doing something else. You're you're holding a paper certificate. You, yeah. you you're not using a permissionless and, and censorship resistant system. You're using something else. And and people, most people probably will have to learn this the hard way. But I'm I'm also optimistic in the sense that there are a lot of um, services and wallets and and just software solutions that are doing it the right way. And for example, um, the Breeze Lightning Wallet. It's a non-custodial wallet and it's very easy to install. It's very easy to, to set up. Uh, the onboarding is super slick. It's very, like, it's very easy to use and you're holding your own keys and mm. it feels, you know, like it, it, it feels like you signed up to Coinbase or something, you know, like it, it, it feels very slick. And so there are ways to do this to, to kind of have the best of both worlds, but you still need to educate people because, uh, you know, you need to. <laughs> that's the that's the like <laughs> the other side of the coin of being your own bank you know yeah. like you can yeah. lose your own money <laughs> no i felt that no <laughs> i felt that that fear when i first started using uh i used the cold card and you know that's yeah. a <laughs> it's a little scary you know i mean for so long we've given our trust yeah. to somebody else and then you're taking yeah. it back and you're like Oh, this yeah. is what this feels like. It's yeah. yeah, it's but it's but it's also very empowering, right? And absolutely, I, that's, that, yeah. and, and and that's also what has me so hopeful because I see this over and over and over again how how Bitcoin transforms people, and this is a large part of it. You know, like it's hey, I can actually do this. What else right. can I do? How capable am I actually? You know, like if I if I step out of the cradle and if I actually you know take things into my own hands for once. And if I take responsibility, how much more responsibility can I shoulder? You know, what else can I do? And I think that's why we, we see, and we see this over and over and over again. And John Wallace is exploring this uh, topic in some detail in, in his Bitcoin Rapid Fire podcast, that 
Bitcoin transforms the individual on a very profound level. And I think responsibility has a lot to do with this. It's also the lowering of time preference and uh, you know all, all, all that. But I think just understanding that and, and really feeling like you say that you can take this responsibility and this is really yours and this is what you did. And now, you know, like, <laughs> like no one can take this away from you. No one even knows in the first place what you did. You know, you did it in, in the silence of your own room. And, you know, you with a cold card, for example, you might have rolled some dice to add some extra entropy. You might, you know, like stamped it into steel, your seed phrase to yeah. be extra sure in case your, your house burns down and so on. And it, it's, it's, an, it's an incredible feeling of, yeah. of empowerment that you know that your future will be secure no matter what, you know. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. and I think it's, it's, it's a very powerful uh, technology on so many levels. You're you're almost segueing before I want to segue, but I, I uh, one a uh, couple more technical questions for you or on the tech in in the Bitcoin space. Who do you who do you follow and who do you who sharpens you uh, as you learn from them? Oh wow, so many people. Um, very hard to to only pick a few. So uh, on top of mind are definitely Melodel. Uh, he's a very good friend of mine. And he's, I think, one of the smartest guys in Bitcoin. And um, he's so consistent in his views and so has very deep technical knowledge and very uh, high moral and ethical standard. Um, uh, Rudolf Nolek, uh, who built the cold card <laughs> that you okay, mentioned. Okay, sure, yeah. Uh, is, mm -hmm. is, uh, so NBK is his handle. He is also uh, insanely knowledgeable and has a very good and deep understanding of Bitcoin. And it, it, in general, it's it's basically my my uh, the people I follow on Bitcoin Twitter. You know, of course, you know there are some funny accounts in there as well. But the most people are really deeply knowledgeable, and um, they they really kind of. Uh, also drive our understanding of of Bitcoin forward because I think this is also uh, it's important to point out that Bitcoin is kind of a moving target you know like it's Bitcoin is still evolving and developing and our understanding is evolving and developing alongside it and that's that's another very interesting aspect um, about Bitcoin is that no one can tell you what Bitcoin is you have to figure this out for yourself and also by running your own node you decide what bitcoin is for yourself so yeah. no one can dictate by design what bitcoin is you have to come to your own conclusions and and kind of take action to manifest this conclusion that you had do you think that at some point it, i think we're almost there but it seems like at some point we're we're not going to have the thought leader or leaders that we can turn to because Bitcoin's becoming so complex. You know, you think about the second layer with lightning and potentially the third layer solutions. And it seems like it's going to become like, like me as a physician, you know, I, I specialize as ear, nose and throat, and I can't know everything about medicine. And at some point it seems like Bitcoin is going to get to that point where yep. there's no one person's going to know everything and it's going to become yep. super specialized. Yeah. I think we're already at that point. I think, um, uh, it might not feel this way uh, because depending on your level of knowledge, uh, everyone that knows a little bit more than you seems like a genius. It seems like he knows it all. <laughs> but I think <laughs> we're already at that point. And there are a lot of uh, core developers that uh, outright have said, you know, I never looked at lightning. I have no idea how it works. Mm. <laughs> and I think people are specializing in 
you know, different parts of the core protocol even, uh, because you, you, you know, you have the wallet part and you have the peer to peer communication part and so on and so forth. We definitely have people only specializing on mining, you know, and even in mining, you have already the kind of splitting up between, you know, ASIC manufacturing is very different than how to build, you know, mining containers, for example, and how sure. to get the air, airflow just right, or how to do submersion mining and stuff like that. And uh, on lightning as well, you know, like there's, there are different lightning implementations. There are even higher layer protocols being developed. Um, there are different, different parts to lightning. There are some people like Rene Picard that only work in how to do routing more efficiently, you know, and come up with mathematical solutions to the multipath payment problem and stuff like that. So we're already at a point where it's impossible to keep up. And um, there are some people that are working on very um, more or less well-defined small parts of Bitcoin. And they all interrelate with each other. It's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. Gigi, what what um, do you think that Bitcoin maximalism or maximalist serve a purpose, served a purpose in the past, serve a purpose now? And getting back to the analogy of, you know, as as the mass adoption grows and the level of education kind of tapers off. And it seems like their influence, whatever it is right now, will be diluted. So what what do you think their past role was is and will be in the future and do you think it's helpful um i definitely think it's helpful i the amount of messages i get on a daily basis is absolutely overwhelming so um most people would consider me a toxic maximalist even you know <laughs> i'm definitely a maximalist i'm not sure how toxic i am i'm probably more toxic on twitter than i am in real life um but i think I think it's very hard to, to put yourself into someone's shoes once you reach a level point of understanding, like a certain point of understanding. It's very hard to put yourself in, into into some someone's shoes who just entered the whole cryptocurrency space. You know, like everything is new. You don't you understand like zero percent of it. <laughs> everything sounds kind of reasonable and plausible. You know, I was there once too. You mm -hmm. know, like I mm -hmm. I mean I had a I had a very technical computer science math pack, background, but but to me like. A lot of a lot of uh, the other projects sounded reasonable at the time, you know, like when they started to pop up, uh, starting with Namecoin, for example, you know, decentralizing DNS and stuff like that. And it's it's just very hard to understand all of it and wrap your head around it and, and realize why only Bitcoin matters and the rest are basically scams. And you can outright say this, you know, because it's every single token has a money printer behind them. And if you don't, do not like, if you don't have a sufficient level of decentralization, and if you don't have like a, 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 an army of nodes that keep you in check so that you cannot change the rules willy-nilly as you are making them up, then the monetary policy is completely meaningless. So you yeah. have, you're back to the old system where some people can just print money out of thin air. And this is not like, like, even if you just focus on decentralized storage, for example, if you can make up the tokens that dictate who can store what and has how much say in the system out of thin air it's a meaningless system it's like a, a do it properly do it centralized do it very corrupt in the first place don't try to hide behind the veil uh, of decentralization and so it's all decentralization theater all of it and i think once you kind of see through that and you understand that, it's almost impossible to go back to a point in time where you did not see that did not understand that and I myself, you know, I I love how 
uh, how Bitcoin maximalists helped me, you know, like it's, I, I did not understand it at one point and, and now I do now. I, now I understand it. Um, like now I, I think I see clearly or at least more clearly than I did before. And so the whole argument about Bitcoin, maxi we're at a point now where Bitcoin maximalism is useless or it's, 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 it even is negative. I don't buy it at all because again, like I, you know, I, I get pro probably like <sighs> between 50 and a hundred DMs a week. And it's all from people thanking me and it's all mm. from, you know, oh, now I've, I, I'm, I'm thank you. And here, and I, 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 I'm reading these books now and it all makes sense. And, and, and I'm stacking and, uh, oh man, I, I, I was trying to trade some coins here and there, but, uh, I, I luckily listened to an interview with you and I dug deeper and I, now I understand money way better. And now I, I kindly understand that Bitcoin is about saving and not getting rich quickly and, and those kind of things. So I think. I think maximalism will always be needed again, coming back to the point that no one can dictate what Bitcoin is. You have to define it for yourself. And so the maximalists will be very important going forward just for Bitcoin's integrity alone, you know, because we already had attacks and we had people with a lot of power and money and influence try to change Bitcoin. And it was the maximalists that, yes. that, that protected the system in part. I mean, there were other things to play as well, but, but you know, the user activated soft fork and, and those kind of things, um, it was led by the maximalists and, yeah. and it's about protecting their integrity and just saying, I draw the line in the sand, you know, like it's I, a, it's 21 a, million is not negotiable. Yeah. It's, it's a matter of though. Okay. So you, you've made the case for that because when I first got into, uh, on Bitcoin Twitter, you know, I did the laser eyes and, you know, I was doing Bitcoin maximalism and all that. And, and it, sometimes it just seems so, um, I don't know, uh, just with my beliefs is it seemed a little bit too, too over the top. And so I, I call myself a non-toxic maximalist. That's, that's what I call myself, but you know, I don't know if you could see my screen or not, but this is, yeah. you know, as you boil down for me, I, this is a presentation I give for uh, Bitcoin for churches. And, you know, it, it, and the, what I conclude with is that every other coin out there, if it has an appearance of the fiat system, why would we want to go back to it? And that for me, that's, that's fundamentally the difference is that Bitcoin looks nothing like the fiat system and all the other, other, all the other coins have one or all the features of the fiat system we're trying to get out of. So, yeah. um, I, I totally, so I, I, I get the case for maximalism. Um, yeah. so I, I appreciate that. It's just a matter of as the adoption grows, will the maximalist maximalist be diluted? That's, I guess that's the concern. It's, 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 um, well, they might be, but I don't think so necessarily. It's, it's, I, I like to draw parallels to the free software movement and, uh, the free software movement is what birthed the open source movement. And, um, the free software movement is very principled. It is quasi religious, you know, and they have their own <laughs> holy men and rituals and, and doctrines and so on. And, um, like uh, if you want to look into this, just look at the work of Richard Stallman, who was the founder of the free software foundation and, uh, who is, you know, one of the high priests. And, um, I mean, you know, they are doing all this tongue in cheek, but it is basically a moral issue and that's why it has a religious framework around it in the sense that if you are in control of your software then you are truly in control and you're free to do what you want if you're not in control of your software if you're using software controlled by someone else you are this person's this company's slave and we see this very very clearly now and this was predicted you know like 
30 years ago, even longer than that, you know, like that if you, if you put the control of your compute to someone else, if you hand it over to someone else, those people in the long run will enslave you and abuse you. And we see this now with Facebook, with YouTube, with all the deplatforming going on, with all the censorship going on, with all the algorithmic manipulation of the news feeds and what data you see and whatnot, and just even with the advertisement models and so on. So all these people, you know, these religious nutcases were spot on in their predictions and they still exist and they still, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's a niche group, but everything stems from that. And all the most important software in the world is free software, free in the free and open source sense, free in the freedom sense, not like free free it's free like in free beer you know it's free as in freedom and that's the important part and I, I see the maximalists very similarly you know they will always be around there will always be people because because there is truth to be found in bitcoin there is a very deep truth to be found in bitcoin people will find this truth and people will defend this truth and i don't care if it's the same set of people that's not the point you know it will be a very different set of people in 20 years from now but there will be still people around that defend these freedoms and these very deep truths Okay, so you you segued again to where we want to go. So, you know, the the spiritual aspects to Bitcoin and the deep truths um, within Bitcoin. Just Gigi, talk, just speak to us about um, that journey for you and what what is this deep truth that's different than. I don't know, learning C++ or, you know, Ruby on Rails. You know, I'm not a programmer, but I know the term, you know, I know the programming languages and whatnot. But I mean, what what is different about Bitcoin that is not found in just computer science alone or physics or, you know, cryptography? What is it? So one one way, like... <laughs> it's it's a very big question, you know. Like we could probably fill like five hours just with that yeah, question. Yeah, of course. But <laughs> <laughs> but one one way to think about this, one one way in, so to speak, is like there is a very deep truth in the First Amendment. You know, free speech. Free speech is absolutely like it, it has to be of the highest order, and this is true in the Christian doctrine as well, right? The logos. Like you you. If, if you mess with this, <laughs> everything will go to hell. And this is why it is the first amendment, you know, like if you start messing with free speech, everything will go to hell. This is a very deep truth. And we can probably talk days and weeks and months about this and people do, you know, but this is, the, this is the level of deep truth. I mean, and in Bitcoin embedded this, if you mess with the money supply, everything will go to hell. It's the same thing, you know, and also. If you try to dictate where money flows, same thing. It's very much like manipulating speech. You know, if you try to, you you can you're free to say what you want if you're alone, but you cannot say to this same to 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 this group of people or to this person. You know, it's it's a similar idea. It's like flow of language, flow of money. You know, like I, in, in my mind, these are equivalent because economic action is just one expression. It's one free expression. It's similar to speech, but you are you're not speaking with your mouth or you're not typing with your keyboard but you're speaking with your wallet and if you interfere with this this is absolutely terrible for a society and those kind of truths are to be found in bitcoin and they are also embedded in bitcoin you know and it's it's i mean it says it in the genesis book you know <laughs> it's chancellor and brink of second bailout for banks yes yeah. it's like bailouts for banks are not okay 
you know, this is this is what this says. <laughs> and the system is set up that this is not possible, that bailouts are not possible, for example, you know, which is an arbitrary, an arbitrary um, reorganization of how the money is distributed. So it is an involuntary redistribution. And this is another deep truth in, in Bitcoin. Exchange has to be voluntary. All interactions in Bitcoin are voluntary. No one can force you to give away your Bitcoin. If you use Bitcoin properly, every exchange in Bitcoin will be a voluntary exchange. Even joining the system is a voluntary action. Of course, you know, there will be societal factors, just like you're forced to use a smartphone nowadays and you're forced to use the internet and so on. But that's not what I mean. You know, like the whole system is set up in a purely, purely voluntary way. And those deep truths are what I'm talking about. And it's very, again, like the parallels to the Free Software Foundation, for example, are, are very strong because it's, again, like you have the four fundamental freedoms in free software. You have to be free to inspect, free to run it as you wish, uh, free to modify it, and free to distribute this modification to your friends, basically. And, in, and these are deep truths about software and how it, op, uh, how it operates optimally, you know, in, in a freedom aspect. And those kind, of, the, those kind of things are embedded in Bitcoin, too. And it's, again, about freedom and the sovereignty, the, the, the sovereignty of the individual. And, but, you know, in, in look and in, in knowing you and, and reading your writings, I, I, Bitcoin's had a significant spiritual impact on you. What, you know, however you want to define that it's, it's had a significant spiritual impact on you. And what, other than these deep truths, I mean, because as I'm listening to you, I could, I could make the argument that, well, um, you know, there are deep truths embedded in the Constitution, the, the you know, Jimmy Song in his great article, The Moral Case for Bitcoin, that's that's the natural law. And as as a Christian, I would say that that's the natural law that that God has given. So um, could we not have the same sort of deep spiritual understanding or movement as we read the Constitution? Is that the same sort of thing or or is what we find in Bitcoin different than that? Huh, that's another great question. I think I think it is different. Um, I think, and I I don't know why. I have no good answer. I I really have no good answer to it. And there, I, there, there, here, here's the reason I'm asking as I, as I think about it myself again. So you know the Constitution's been around you know 250 years, and I don't think a lot of people kind of sit around and philosophize or have. Sp- deep spiritual there are no churches to mm-hmm. the constitution right but there's definitely a church related to bitcoin or a definite religious mm-hmm. feel and it's not just you i mean i i mm-hmm. wrote an article on it and uh what is it about bitcoin and and i think i have my own answers but i mean what is it about bitcoin that that compels people to think in religious terms hmm it's such a great question i i I don't have a good answer. I think. I think for for me, I, I think it's. I think it's. It's very funny, kind of. You know, that um, uh, it's it's like a cosmic joke almost. You know, that for me to talk about Bitcoin in a meaningful way, the only language that works is religious language, and the uh, it's funny because it's a mathematical construct run on computers rooted in physics you know like it's (laughs) you would not associate this with a religious thing kind of but uh, religious language is is for for those deep truths that we just uh discussed and for for other um like to 
to describe the profound impact that Bitcoin is having on people and will have will continue to have on society at large, you know, as, as it impacts more people, it will have an impact on society and it arguably already does, you know, um, it, it, it is, and Eric Kaysen talked about this as well, you know, like how, how Bitcoin is messianic, for example, yeah. and yeah. and he has a very, very good reasoning of, of why he's saying such an, uh, you know, like at first sight outlandish thing, <laughs> like it sounds very outlandish, but uh, I have to agree with him, you know, and, you know, people, um, people say things like uh, Bitcoin is love all the time and Bitcoin is truth and so on. And people describe it as the truth machine and so on. And so, and, and it, which is true on a technical level, you know, like it's, it's very unlikely that Bitcoin will lie to you a few blocks down, you know, like whatever is embedded in the Bitcoin time chain is the closest thing we have to absolute truth kind of, you know, like it's uh, like really physically, mathematically speaking, you know, like that's, that's, that's the most proven record we have of our collective history because you can't really trust the history books you know but you can really trust the data embedded in the in the time chain like this is there are deep technical reasons for that and and it is kind of funny how this works you know like you have this very scientific very like computer sciencey thingy and out of it pops like a quasi religious artifact or or like i'm not sure if the artifact is religious but the movement definitely is it yeah. definitely has very large religious religious um undertones and i mean i uh, i i mentioned this in the past for me i had i had such a profound um experience just when it made click for me i've no 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 other term than a religious experience you know like that's um it in 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 like kind of layman's terms <laughs> bitcoin completely blew my brains out and it felt like my brain was melting for like two weeks straight and i had to just put myself together and the things i experienced in in those at the heights, you know, of, of this brain melt were equivalent to the things that people experience when they, you know, take too many mushrooms or um, have deep, profound religious experiences, you know, like, yeah. it's, you know, like 40 days in the desert kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. And, and so um, that's my answer to, to uh, why I have a religious lens on the whole issue, because I, I legit had a religious experience and I, I can't, I can't phrase it in any other way. And it still doesn't really make sense to me, but I think it's also not, it's, it's not too surprising because just let's, let's list some of the parallels, you know, just humor me for a second. Yeah. We already touched on the voluntary nature of it, you know, um, that's, you know, which is the, the Bitcoin is love aspect, you know, like you, you, you're not, Bitcoin does not force you to do anything, which is very much in line with a lot of religious thinking as well. You know, like you, uh, uh, it, it has to kind of come within, you know, like you have to move towards God, for example. So <laughs> you also have to move towards Bitcoin. And, uh, another thing is that Bitcoin is way bigger than, than, than us, you know, Bitcoin is way, way bigger than any single contribution of every single individual, you know, and it will be, Bitcoin will exist after I'm dead, you know, I'm, I'm very sure of that. So it is, it is like a cathedral, you know, that is being built and it's just there. Bitcoin is kind of eternal for all yeah. intents and purposes, yeah. you know, so, so it will be around for a very long time, just like yeah. the trees e are eternal, you know, yeah, like eternal, eternal in one direction. Yes, uh, from, exactly. You know, it's a ray. I mean, it has a starting, yeah. it def had a definite starting point and will go on for for eternity. Yeah. You know, Tomer yeah. Strolide and I had a similar conversation, um, yeah. but it will always require some sort of energy input. Uh, but uh, agreed. I yeah. So, but, 
but, but maybe maybe, maybe maybe uh, let, let me uh, while I still have them in my head. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Some of the the parallels. Um, it's also uh, as you wrote about as well. Uh, it, it has the immaculate conception aspect of it, which is also one of my twenty one lessons. You know, so I I yeah. immediately went to through to religious language because no one knows where Satoshi came from. No one knows who he she it is and it just came out of nowhere you know it came out of cyberspace and there it was and you know humanity leave it or take it and you know humanity was like okay that looks interesting we might as well take it <laughs> and satoshi also very quickly disappeared you know like it's it's uh, uh so uh, akin to other uh, religious stories you know where a prophet comes and and then either he dies or he disappears in some other way and uh you know like the those figures usually don't stick around uh forever you know they, they have to disappear <laughs> kind of and um it's also i i tweeted something out like a couple of months ago i think and the question was do you think it's it's possible to understand buddhism without without practicing buddhism you know, like, and I got very interesting responses, but overwhelmingly it was no, it's not. You have to practice Buddhism to understand Buddhism, truly. And I think the same is true for Bitcoin. Absolutely. You cannot understand Bitcoin without becoming Bitcoin, without practicing Bitcoin, without running your own node, without, you know, like even understanding Bitcoin in a very deep level, you know, write down 12 words, remember them, burn the paper, wait two days. And type them somewhere else in and you see the money is still there and the money was in your head you have to you have to feel this you have to do this you have to understand this and, and very similar like i said before no one can tell you what bitcoin is you have to decide it for yourself it is a very participatory act and this this participatory nature is is part of all the big religions you know like you have to do these rituals and you have to participate in in the larger thing to to really understand it and there i mean there's so many parallels it's yeah, no, I, okay so I, I'll, I'll agree with that to the extent that yes um i think i would agree with the fact that you have to experience a religion to really you can't just know about it you've got to experience it to really understand it i, I will definitely agree with that it, at least it's a very different thing you know, it'd be very much like the, the, the same way that, um, you know, like you can talk about, I don't know, bungee jumping all day long and you can understand it very well, but actually jumping down is a different experience. You know, yeah. there are many, many human acts that are in that category. Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, getting that funny feeling in the stomach when you, yeah, absolutely. Totally understand. Um, I guess the, the difference is, is that from a, from a truth perspective and, you know, uh, and I totally agree with you. I think that Bitcoin demonstrates that there is an absolute truth. Um, and I think that's what helps us define. You have to adhere to the absolute truths of Bitcoin, um, but you may experience it differently. And your experience, as you talk to other people, may be different than their experience. But you all have to interact at this fundamental level of truth within Bitcoin and it, 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 you can't alter the truth within Bitcoin. You can interact with it differently, but there is an absolute truth underlying Bitcoin. And I guess the other thing, Gigi, I would ask is, you know, Bitcoin is code, but, and it, it doesn't exist in the, in the physical realm, but I would say that the, you know, the universe that we see is really no different because as I look out the window here and I'm looking at trees or plants or birds or whatever, they're, they're also, they're, they are, they exist 
the creative ability of physics, science, math, genes, and all, which fundamentally boils down to code, if you think about it. Um, but there's there's a there's a creator there's a a creator behind it, and that's that's the way I look at Bitcoin. Is that for me, as I think about Bitcoin, it's inconceivable to think that I could be walking along, you know, randomly somewhere and come across this thing called Bitcoin. Someone had to have had to have created it, and not just a person, but a very special person because. Satoshi was just absolutely brilliant. I mean, the, the, just, uh, he's just, I don't know. I mean, I think someday he will win the Nobel Peace Prize for just what, what he's created posthumously. But, um, that for me, uh, GG, see, I called you, almost called you Tomer. Uh, that for me, GG, is the proof or the, the shadow of what we would call in Christianity, God or the logos. And for me, that's, that's what I find fascinating about Bitcoin. And I didn't have a religious experience like you did, but I definitely had a profound um, interaction with it because it was everything that I saw in Bitcoin was pointing to my faith. And I almost felt when I started writing about it that I was blaspheming and I didn't want to write anything because I, I felt like I was bla being blasphemous to, to the Lord. And, but I felt, no, this is, this is just too, too in alignment, not to be truth and not to be something that he wanted to give us. And so that's why I felt compelled to start writing and, and, and do this podcast. So I guess that's probably where I would, I agree with everything you're saying, but for me, it points to the absolute truth, not just an absolute truth, but the absolute truth in the creator. Um, and in, in Bitcoin terms, that would be Satoshi. But in my terms, that would be the Lord. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's how I think about it. Yeah. And you are not the, you are not the only person to make these um, kinds of connections, you know, like far from it. There are more and more people coming to these um, kind of realizations, you know, there is a lot of overlap and there is a lot of um alignment with these deep deeper truths i think i think <sighs> but gg just just to be clear just to be clear um so i've read eric's stuff and in fact you know reading his stuff reading your stuff that that's what compelled me to start actually putting christian truth to the terminology because i saw in eric's work um his use of terms like messianic and savior and all that. And, and I was thinking, wait a minute, you know, the last thing we need is another man-made religion because they really, they haven't gotten us anywhere. In fact, they've caused a lot of harm and pain. Um, so I wanted to reorient the, the terminology and, and make sure that, wait a minute, if you're going to use a term like that, let's go back to first principles and why do we have this term? And let's look at, you know, what this term really means, because there's a lot of history that's gone on for the last 2000 years that's uh, has been convoluted and, and muddied what these terms mean. And Bitcoin, for me, allows us to kind of shake all the, the terms loose and really redefine what they mean. Does that make sense? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And, and I value this highly because I think it's very important to be, um, very clear in our language and to really, um, try to be, <laughs> um, you know, try to introduce as much clarity as we can and as little vagueness as we can. And when we talk about these very grand and esoteric, um, concepts, so to speak, or these very, um, like profound concepts, it's, it's very hard to, to use the language precisely because you know the, the the concepts are muddied in the first place you know it's it's very it's very um it's just in general very difficult to talk about these things um, and i think it always was you know i think it's <laughs> i think there never was a time where it was not difficult to talk about this these kind of deeper meanings and and, and truths and, and and i mean it in the sense that even in religious traditions you know you have um kind of various terms and various names for the same concept or for the for three different sides of the same concept you know and um what i wanted to say before and i'll just i'll just get it out there and i'll let i'll let you react but I, what i think why there is such a deep and uh, oh, like such a big overlap is that there are deep truths to be found in this world and they are of the nature of what we discussed before like very deep truths for for example another one is that at the very bottom of it there is love you know love is at the very bottom of things and i think most major religious traditions would agree with this statement i think just from the non-military thing that i explained before in bitcoin bitcoin would also agree with the statement and i think i think there is a very deep truth to be found in our world and in this universe and i think all the major religions point to maybe various aspects of this truth or to this truth and i think bitcoin aligns itself with our universe so well like the way that it works it is it is anchored in the deepest truths that we know of our universe that that it's not surprising to me that there is a lot of overlap and i'll just let you react to that because i'm not even sure if that makes sense <laughs> it, it absolutely makes sense um I think the the way I would respond to that, Gigi, is the and that's why I showed you that that one slide on that presentation is at the for me. It, so if if we're going to compare Bitcoin to you know these other cryptocurrencies out there that you know the quote unquote poop coins, um, you know we. As a Bitcoiner, I can say emphatically that yes, um, I agree that you know Ethereum is a is a crap coin, and I can say emphatically that Litecoin is a crap coin or or Bitcoin Cash because I understand fundamentally uh, how they differ. Well, maybe not fundamentally. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm not that smart, but I mean, I, I do understand why they're different and what their flaws are. Um, but I do understand Bitcoin, and so for me. Bitcoin's like the the standard, and when I look at all these other ones, it's like it's like in medicine. I when I when I would teach residents or medical students, you know, they get caught up on trying to describe, you know, the ear or something like that, and you know, I'll ask them, well, is there an infection? And they they just don't know. And and I would always tell them, you don't need to know what an infection looks like. What you need to know is what normal looks like. And so. For me, that's what Bitcoin is. All I have to really understand is what good, hard, sound money looks like in the digital realm, and Bitcoin's that. And anything else, if, if it doesn't look like Bitcoin, then it's 
it's fake. It's it's not good. And so with respect to okay, so that's that's kind of an absolute, and I think that's the the Bitcoin maximalism coming out me, and I think you would agree. And I think that for Christians, myself included, for years, I mean, I'm I'm 54. My entire I became a Christian when I was in high school, and you know, for my entire adult life, um, I was maybe not laughed at in my face, but certainly I had a contrary view to the world around me, and I believed in absolute truth. And until Bitcoin came along, I don't think anybody outside of Christian thinking really believed in absolute truth. And then <laughs> this thing called Bitcoin comes along and it's it's kind of, well, it's pretty absolute, you know, and it's not just two plus two is four. It's two plus two is four. And, you know, you've got the laws of thermodynamics in there. I mean, you've got that's that's why I think there's such a deep foundational truths within Bitcoin, because it it includes so many truths that are non-contradictory. And as you compare it to Christianity, with respect to, you know, other people out there who may be listening, that's how we would look at other religions. You know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's that's an exclusionary statement. And while while a Buddhist or a Muslim may, may take um, issue with that, that's a pretty bold claim. So it's either true or it's not true. And it's the same thing with Bitcoin. You know, Bitcoin's either capped at 21 million or it's not. And you've got to verify that claim. And, you know, there's some pretty, there are just claims within Christianity that must be explored as true, yes or no. And those are the only two options. And that's what's different, uh, Gigi, between Christianity and, and everything else. And I think that for me, the the truths within Bitcoin do provide a comfort to the soul and a longing to the soul that has been implanted within us by God. I mean, uh, God implants eternity within our hearts. And so when we see something like Bitcoin, it, it speaks to that. It's a truth that speaks to that. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that the other thing about terminology is you know the if i want to know what bitcoin is i can go into the into the blockchain and i can look at the the transactions and i can verify everything that's that's you know it's open source and 200 years from now is someone going to understand the bitcoin blockchain if they've never looked into the into the uh, source code probably not and, and they may get their terminologies messed up. They may not understand what a UTXO is or, or whatever. And I think for me, as I think about Bitcoin and Christianity, I don't have to have, you know, someone tell me what the code says. I've got it right here. And I think that's the my my open source is is the Bible. And and I don't have to have someone tell me what it says. I can just look into it and say, OK, well, this is what it says. And it's either true or it's not. And yeah. for I'm sorry, I'm going on. You're the guest, but I'm. I'm <laughs> no, no, that's good. I'm going on and on, but that's that, that. That's the way I think, and that's what compelled me to kind of mesh Bitcoin and Christianity together because there are so many profound truths that just are so parallel. That's, that's absolutely yeah. And 
and uh, the one you just mentioned is, is another parallel thing you know like it's there is a reason why the bible has outlasted empires and it's uh, information is very easy to spread and very easy to replicate and information if the information is important humans are very good at keeping this information safe and replicating it and you know in other religious traditions uh, um the the book of the religion is known by heart and recited you know like right. so there there are there are ways to really huh. make sure that's that's like a brain wallet you know like that's right really make sure that this that does not get lost and i think i think i just um i think i think it i think one has to understand that in, in general, if you look back through history, that there are three main things that usually organize a society. It's speech, it's money, and it's religion. And I think it's just so incredibly fascinating that Bitcoin, as far as I'm concerned, is all three. I believe Bitcoin is speech. That's how it operates. You know, like you, you, all, all aspects of Bitcoin are, are speech. And that's also one of the 21 lessons, you know, like it's, it's, everything in bitcoin is plain text you can speak bitcoin no problem you don't you don't need anything special on the internet you can you can run bitcoin on whatsapp if you want you know like that's <laughs> it's not not a problem <laughs> bitcoin definitely is money and is monetizing monetizing as we speak and as we just you know uh dis discussed the last, the last hour or so it's uh, it, it definitely has religious undertones at least you know and i that was one of my main insights because i had a, a this this profound experience i i kind of felt in my heart or it was at least not outrageous to think that other people would have similar experiences and other people indeed did reach out to me <clears throat> and there were other people that had religious experiences because of bitcoin for in varying degrees and for various reasons and so you know like i i'm i i just think it's it's so interesting that that this this thing that is a very like in in one sense under one like if, if you look at it one way it seems like a very stupid very like almost thermostat like machine <laughs> and in, in, in another sense it is all those different things and it and it contains all these aspects and all these deeper truths and uh, very much like you know again to come back to to the bible example you know the bible is replicated and it's it's kind of um uh you know like uh it's it's almost like dna which is like you can't understand dna as the eternal substance you know like dna is the one it, it replicates itself and it, it is the thing that goes on and and uh, for christianity you know that is it is the word of god and it is written in the bible and it's it, it's the thing that 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 goes on and replicates itself and bitcoin works in the same way and it has all those parallels you know like that's that's the reason why we can't speak about it in the first place you know it has it has these parallels and i think the the main difference though for bitcoin what what is so new about it and i tried to write about it in, in in the past i just kind of started writing about this recently even though i spoke about it a lot uh previously is that in Bit bitcoin as far as i know it's the only thing we have that is a pure informational construct but the map is the territory in bitcoin so usually if you have information the information is about something in the real world in bitcoin this is different in bitcoin the information itself embeds the truth of what happened in the physical world in the information itself and this works via proof of work and it is a probabilistic truth but you know the probabilities are 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 in such a way that you know you can be 99.9999999999% sure that this is what actually happened you know a lot of computers 
had to flip a lot of bits for this number to appear. And there is no other way in the whole universe for this number to appear. You know, like this number, it's, it's, like, it's like finding a needle in a haystack. It's like finding uh, uh, the, the last puzzle piece that you need. You, you know something had to happen for this number to appear. And so, so the, the, uh, I, again, humor me for a bit. Like I don't, I, no, yeah, I, <laughs> I usually don't have the opportunity to talk about these things in such detail. So my I'll friend, just, that's, I'll, that's why you're, that's why you're here. <laughs> so I'll just go all out. Yeah. So, so I, I, I wrote about, I've wrote about this in the past, at least uh, very briefly, but you can understand it. And I think all of it is like extremely hilarious, but I'll just, I'll just go out and, and, and go into this now a little bit. <laughs> this will, this will make some waves. I'm sure <laughs> these are some outlandish claims. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting how in the Christian tradition, you have heaven and earth and heaven is the realm of the spirit more or less. And earth is like the, the worldly realm of stuff and matter and, you know, us measly humans and so on. And it's also interesting how, you know, like in, in every person, there is like the spark of the divine. And it's also interesting that in all the, in all the drawings, for example, that Christians produced over, over the years, um, you, you have trees that reach up to heaven, you know? And I mean, you can explore all these concepts psychologically and Jordan Peterson, for example, does this very well, but just, um, just, you know, you, you, you have basically trees that are the bridge between heaven and earth that, you know, like reach up to, <laughs> to the spirit realm and, and those kind of things. <laughs> and so if, if you just look at the, at the drawings, that's, that's very clear what they try to represent. And in the way I like to think about Bitcoin is that it, it lives in, in multiple realms at once. And so you have very real infrastructure like ASICs and cables and, you know, you need power lines and you need, uh, you know, um, fiber optic cables and, and all the jazz and, <laughs> and you, you need fans <laughs> to turn. <laughs> and on the other hand, it's like this information theoretical construct that is just bits and bytes. And it, it used to be just an idea, you know, like Satoshi came up with the idea and he dreamed it up. He, he, dreamed it up or, you know, like to, to, to stick with what you were saying, maybe he had some divine intervention and, uh, he was able to, to come up with this purely information theoretical construct, which is an idea, which is, it, it lives in, in a different realm, you know, like ideas and information are removed from the physical world because you can, they transcend the physical realm, you know, like you can write down the number three in everywhere you can draw it in the sand you can like three is disconnected from our physical world so that's what i mean with the physical realm mm -hmm, and the mm -hmm. informational realm which is mm -hmm. you know like in some sense heaven and earth you know if, if it just humor me for a second you know like yeah. I, I i i i'm just trying to 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 draw the parallels and in bitcoin because the map is the territory you produce these machines in the real world produce information that it, it all is produced because of the informational construct in the first place, because of the computer code that is run. And you hash it all together and you find these numbers and you do all this work and so on, and you put it into a Merkle tree. And the Merkle tree <laughs> in this mm. metaphor is what connects heaven and earth. And you just look at this one number, which is, you know, for all intents and purposes, the root of a Merkle tree, and you will see, okay, this is what happened. This is this is the intersection of heaven and earth in our universe. Like this is the connection between the informational realm 
and the physical realm. This is why Bitcoin works in the first place, because there is no other connection. Only energy is the connection. Yes, yes. There can never be another connection because you always run into the Oracle problem. You cannot, you cannot, you know, take a camera or a microphone or whatever, or have some 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 person type in what happened in the in the world because then you are again in the realm of history books. You can never be sure that this is really happened. History books can be faked. Everything that I talk into a microphone can be faked. <laughs> Surveillance camera footage can be faked. You know, like you cannot, a computer cannot be sure about what happened in the real world because that's not how computers operate because computers operate in the quote unquote spiritual realm, in the realm of information. And Bitcoin is the first thing that really combines those two in a, in, again, you know, it's a probabilistic way, but it's like 99.9 and so on percent probable that this is what actually happened. Okay. So, that's that's fascinating. That's and I I understand a little bit about Merkle tree, so I, I get the connection. That so that's good. Um, what I would say, Gigi, is think about um, you know heaven and hell or heaven and earth. Yes, uh, the spiritual and the physical. <laughs> I, earth is not hell yet. <laughs> no, not not yet. It's it's getting there. But no, agreed. Uh, but think about heaven and earth. And yes, spiritual and physical, but um, in the in the Christian um, reality, you know, we the Lord lives within us uh, through His Spirit, so we we have a connection with heaven. Uh, I have I have the Spirit yeah. uh, within me. So this uh, is true for Bitcoin as well. Yeah, you know? like, yeah. it is That's made right. up yeah. of people in the truest yeah. sense. You you have to run your node. You have to hold yeah. your key. Without yeah. that, Bitcoin does not exist. See, so what I guess what what we're we're dancing around is that it seems like Bitcoin points a lot to Christianity, <laughs> Christianity, <laughs> and I think that for all the truths that Bitcoin speaks to, there's not. You you have to you have to come to the same logical because I'm a very logical thought process person and for me my belief in Jesus comes through the same thought process as I came through and and learned Bitcoin so if a Bitcoiner can agree that these truths about Bitcoin are true. And they've got parallel truths within Christianity. There's not a big gap there, uh, and I think no. that's. And well, go ahead. I'm sorry, Gigi. No, no, I, I, I did not mean to interrupt you, but I, I completely agree. And uh, so uh, the gap truly is very small. But I think you know it. Um, I can make similar connections, for example, to the to the Taoist tradition, because I also wrote an article which is called. Um, um, uh, oh man, I'm forgetting the title of the article, but the subtitle is how Bitcoin thrives on the edge between chaos and order. And it is uh, Bitcoin's eternal struggle. That was the title. And it is how Bitcoin, you know, walks the line between chaos and order, which is, you know, the yin yang symbol. And you, you have to go the way you have to be with one foot in order and with one foot in chaos. And of course, you know, there are parallels to, to Christian thinking there as well, you know, like you, uh, uh I, in, in I, some sense. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, and I read that article as well. The, the, I guess, um, the, what I would say is that, uh, and, and by the way, Gigi, and, and for the audience listening, this is, this is not meant to be, uh, uh, you know, debate or anything like Gigi and I are just talking. So the, um, the, yeah, I mean, I think that 
Um, we can always... maybe, let me, let, maybe let me finish that thought because what, okay. what I'm trying right, to, to get yeah. at is yeah. because I do agree with you, but I think, I think for example, having, um, okay, we're definitely losing something if we dismiss religion. Like, I, let me just say that outright. And I think there are deep truths embedded in Christianity. And I think if you, what the Christianity tries to tell, the story Christianity tries to tell is if you, there is a, there is a certain, there are certain rules in reality. Reality operates in a certain way. And if, if you twist the fabric of reality, like, you know, <laughs> pray to God, you know, because <laughs> basically if you twist the fabric of real reality, you'll end, end up in hell. That's, that's, I think that's not a controversial statement. And I think, um, I, I think, I think the same can be said, for example, about the whole fiat empire that we are currently living in. The fiat empire definitely twists the fabric of reality in multiple ways. You know, yeah. like it plays yeah. around with truth, it plays around with words, and it definitely plays around with the money supply. Yeah. So Bitcoin comes to the scene and 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 just appears as an as a, as like a closed loop system where you cannot twist the fabric of reality inside the system you know and so that's where i see the the, the big parallel kind of you know it, it is it is about those very deep universal truths that's how nature operates that's how our reality operates that's how the universe operates and and i think that's why the overlap is so insanely strong agreed i i think that and you know the the thing about the closed loop system Yes, I agree with that, but it was first created as an open system because someone had to, Satoshi had to step into this system and create it. And once he created it, yes, uh, it runs. And that, that would be, that's very similar to deism, which is what the founding fathers believed in. It was a form of Christianity where they felt like, um, and Newton, Isaac Newton um, popularized that thinking that, you know, the, the, the universe is this magnificent watch and God just kind of created it and kind of set it on its course. And that's, that's uh, deism. But um, the, I, what I, I guess what I was saying is that the, I think there is a longing within man for deep truth. You know, mm -hmm. I, I just wrote an article that got banned on, on medium um, about Con congratulations. It must've been good. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was called uh, what is truth and, and um, why Bitcoin, why Bitcoin matters. And, you know, Pilate before Jesus was crucified, famously asked Jesus, uh, who was the way, the truth and life, asked him, what is truth? So I think fundamentally men and women, men try to understand the truths of the world and the universe around them. And that that's going to permeate everything that they do, especially religion. So yes, can, can Bitcoin be parallel to Taoism, um, Islam, you know, Buddha. Yes, because though they're all trying to attain um, this thing that the Lord has placed in our heart, and that's that is search for heaven and search for truth. But I think that on all the points of truth that Bitcoin speaks true speaks to, the only one that's going to meet congruently with every single point of truth. At least to my in my reading and understanding um, thus far in all my uh, writing is Christianity. I mean, they're just and and I think that the other thing is that the um, the the claims are just Christian claims are absolutes, you know, and and 
that most other world religions would would be, especially uh, Buddhism or or um, yeah, or Hinduism for that matter, uh, the pantheistic uh, religions um, mm-hmm. would say, well, you know, all roads lead to God. Well, we can't. Bitcoin doesn't say that. You know, Bitcoin says there's really only one way to hard money, and mm-hmm. so if Bitcoin is a reflection of a deep truth. And we need religion, then Bitcoin would probably mimic the religion that's going to um, parallel it the most. And so Islam may have one touch point, Buddhism may have one touch point, but Christianity has, you know, all these touch points. Does that make yeah. sense? It absolutely makes sense, but you're also obviously biased. <laughs> well, of course I am. <laughs> and, and you're a Bitcoin maximalist. <laughs> so maybe maybe no. I could I could have Vitalik on the show and, and uh, we could see what his biases are. <laughs> no, uh, definitely. No, but I, I, think it, I, I think it's also interesting that you bring up Islam, for example. And there is a whole school of thought um, uh, that was now revivified by Bitcoin, which is Islamic finance because mm-hmm, yep. Islamic banks work very differently than our yeah. banking system. And a lot of people hypothesize that in a hyper-Bitcoinized world, we will have to use a system very similar to Islamic finance because um, with a fixed, um, so, like strictly fixed limited supply of money, um, it's very hard to do, you know, like compound interest to infinity <laughs> and so you have to do things differently and so i uh, um i definitely agree with you that you know there there are there are all these touch points i i just you know i the the last five minutes um a quote kept popping into my head from my very very good friend and spiritual brother uh the friar has oh yeah yeah um and uh, uh we we talk about these things sometimes and, and news about them and uh he wrote me one time late at night and he was like you know is it outlandish to claim that bitcoin is backwards compatible with all major religions and i immediately said no no that's how i see it as well you know like and it, it is because of this like that's how i see it at least you know there's there's this underlying deep truth to reality and bitcoin reflects that and i think yeah. all major religions talk about this deep truth and i think you know it's it's also I think there is a little bit more to it in in because of this participatory nature as well and also because of the conceptual breakthrough that bitcoin also represents and i think christianity had this christianity had many conceptual breakthroughs you know like uh like the the divine nature of the logos for example you know like that's that, that humans are able to come up with that it's you know like and and Again, take that with a grain of salt, because of course, you know, who knows who came up with what, but <laughs> that we all agreed that, you know, this is, this is correct. And this is how our universe operates. And this is how we will flourish the most is like, it's a miracle basically that, uh, that we, um, agreed on this very much like the divinity of, of the individual and, and of the soul, you know, that everyone can be forgiven. I mean, our whole rule of law is based on the Christian insight <laughs> of, of this. And I think, um, uh, and, and, and just to, to take another one, and this is what I wanted to get into is that, uh, you know, like historically speaking, we always had gods, but they were not removed from the persons. We had pharaohs and we had, you know, like, I don't know, other kings and, and just godlike, godlike leaders, so to speak. 
um, that that had divine qualities, or that uh, at least people. That's what people wrote down and spoke mm-hmm. about in the South. I mean, pharaohs are the best example. And you know, like I, I think from a from a like one of the psychological breakthroughs is that Jesus, as the Son of of God, he dethroned the concept from the person. You know, like it, it's it's. Uh, I mean, you still have your you still have the divine spark in your heart and, and all of that, but it's just you know, like um, we we do not need. Like you know, Jesus came and died for our sins, and we we can do away with pharaohs. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, DJ, are you from? <laughs> are you preaching yeah. to me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm preaching Bitcoin still, <laughs> because I think I think you know Bitcoin does a similar thing in the sense that it it completely like it it like in in the Christian tra- tradition like this this removes. This removes um, the kind of impersonation of a god from fr- from us measly humans, so to speak. You know, like it's like God is above us. That's what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And and very much. And I, I also like I I I uh, I, I uh, read this quote from uh, Bishop Barron, who who said, "Happiness comes from the transcendent, from that which is beyond our control." And I think, you know, that's what Bitcoin does as well. It it puts the money supply and, and the things that happen to our money out of our control. I mean, we still have some say with it, you know, like we can transact with it and so on, but we cannot mess with the money supply. And we, like Bitcoin remo- removes the, the, the godlike constructs, like financially speaking, that that can create money out of thin air and that are in charge of monetary policies and that are in charge of, you know, national banks and so on, it completely removes it. And, and it says, we don't need this anymore. You know, like it's, this is taken care of. And so I, you know, like just to <laughs> point to another parallel maybe, and it, but I think it's, it's, it, I, I think it's, uh, it is a psychological breakthrough, you know, like it's, we do not need humans, failable humans to manage the money supply. Yeah, like this yeah. is this is taken care of now. You know, we can we can care about other things now. You know, this is <laughs> this is <laughs> you know Satoshi died for 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 our monetary sins. <laughs> True, I'll I'll agree with that. I'll, I'll agree with that. Some someone else died for our moral sins. Yeah. <laughs> so, All right, my I, friend. I think, yeah, go ahead, Gigi. I I, I think that that might be a nice. Uh, place to end it. I'm, yeah, I, I'm getting yeah. tired already. And yeah, think, yeah. You know, there, there is hardly a better soundbite than Satoshi died for our monetary sins. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, Gigi, I know it's getting late for you. This has been a really great discussion, and uh, I, I, I just tremendously respect you and, and your thoughts. Um, so, um, I, I, I'll, uh, I know people can follow you on Twitter. That's probably the best place for people to kind of see what you're doing is on Twitter. I know you're pretty active on Twitter. Yeah, the best place. Uh, it, it might not be the smartest decision to follow me on Twitter, but... No, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> the best the best place to keep up to date uh, with what I'm doing is on, on Twitter. But, um, you know, I also post a lot of just nonsense and funny stuff and things unrelated to, to Bitcoin. Um, so uh, just take care when you... <laughs> 
press the follow button. Um, the best place to keep up with my long form writing is dirtgg.com. And if you're interested in uh, the little book that I talked yes, about, it's yeah. 21lessons.com and you can read it online for free. Uh, so um, you, you can also um, see what I'm currently working on, which is 21 ways, which will be a, a follow-up book, which will be um, <laughs> a lot thicker. <laughs> I would say I'm like 45% done. I'm, I'm unfortunately lagging a little bit behind my schedule, but I'm still working on it. And one of the chapters uh, that a lot of people really liked was Bitcoin is Time, which explored yes. yeah. Bitcoin uh, through one very um, strange lens kind of which is the lens of timing and timestamping and i want to um yeah write 21 chapters like this where you just look at bitcoin in 21 different ways and uh, so yeah i'm currently working on that and um i also have a patreon where you can uh, support me in this endeavor and can uh, get access to chapters and stuff that i'm working on we have a small little group where we discuss those things and we also we also dive into uh, the topics that we discussed today from time to time. So we have strong religious undertones in, in the Patreon group. That's for sure. <laughs> and, and I've heard that's great. I'll leave all that in the show notes as well. Thanks, my awesome. friend. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. And, you know, like maybe let's do this again in like 100,000 blocks from now or something. Less, less time than that. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Please like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. If you would leave a review, that would be fantastic as well. Peace.